welcome back to the All About Audiology podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lilach Saperstein, and this is episode 31. Today I have an interview with an incredible trauma-informed parenting coach. Her name is Manon. She is French. She lives in Australia and travels around different cities in her van with her five-year-old daughter giving workshops and teaching parents about connecting with our children and all of these different ways where we can have a bodily somatic experience of calm and peace and joy and connection and I really love following her stuff on Facebook and on Instagram so I reached out to her and asked her to come and speak with our audience, speak with you guys all about the challenges of raising kids in general and specifically children with hearing loss. She gave us so much beautiful wisdom. It was really a very moving episode for me. I learned a lot from it. I took a lot um, on my own healing journey. I've been learning a lot about how our bodies work, how our nervous system responds to difficult situations, to trauma. And recently, I've also learned about inner child work, recognizing that within us, within ourselves as adults, we still carry and move through the world with ourselves as a child, sometimes with some unmet needs, with very difficult memories or difficult experiences that we're carrying inside of our inner child, and how to start to make a connection within ourselves to ourselves as children and and bring that message to our inner child that they're not alone, that we can take care of them, that it's safe now. And the more that I've done this work, the more that I've come to understand what it was like for me to be a child, I've, I've noticed so much growth in my own parenting um, and being able to relate to my children um, truly, truly as people, <laughs> um, as funny as that sounds. So, so yeah, I found this to be very powerful and I did want to share some of that with you guys. And you know that it's very important to me to integrate and put together all the different pieces of our life and all the different pieces of how audiology is affecting our life, whether you're a student of audiology or if you have a child or a family member with a hearing loss or if you are dealing with hearing loss, you know that it's complicated and it, and it gets into very many different parts of your life, your relationships, your ability to work, your ability to communicate. For this episode, I'd like to ask you to give yourself the time to listen to this episode and enjoy the slower pace of our conversation and take in the messages that Manon shared with us. I'll also tell you that because she's in Australia and I am in Israel, we coordinated a time and um, it was 5.30 a.m. here for me, so I thought I'd wake up early before my kids wake up, but alas, they all joined me and so you might hear the squeals and the laughter and joy of my children throughout this which was quite appropriate and I tried my best to edit out uh, most of the disruptions and yeah I think we're gonna go with it because that's real life and it was actually quite beautiful in the end to have them there because you'll hear Manon walked me through a little visualization and having my children there actually made it really moving for me and I hope you'll do that as well. She also references a meditation that I have, a free download, which you can grab over at allaboutaudiology.com slash meditation. All you have to do is put your email in and you'll get the meditation sent straight to you. And that's a meditation that I put together 
in response to a mom that I was talking to about seeing the hearing loss as one part of the child, as one aspect of your parenting experience, even though at times it feels like and takes up all of the time and energy and um, money, can really drain your resources, and this meditation can help you get a little bit of a recharge. So let's jump on into that interview. It was a really great interview, and I can't wait to hear what you think about it. Welcome, Manon, to the All About Audiology podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank Would you, you. Thank you for inviting me here. <laughs> Would you start by uh, introducing yourself to our audience and telling them about the work that you do? Sure. Um, my name is Manon, and I, um, I was born in France, so you might notice my French accent. <laughs> I used to be a teacher 10 years ago. Um, but since I had a baby, my life has changed and I have done lots of research on how I could best raise my child. Um, I've heard a long time ago that the way we've raised them is influencing them or affecting them for the rest of their life. So I took that really um, uh, seriously in a way. And so I've done lots of research and I um, got the certification as an aware parenting instructor. And I've started supporting other mothers, um, sharing that beautiful knowledge that has changed my life and the way I was parenting my daughter. Um, and I've realized after a year or two of doing that, that only providing information on this is how it's best to do and it's best to do not do this, I've realized that it's not enough to only provide information. I've realized that, and that for myself as well, that even though I had all the right information, I would still do things that I didn't want to do to my daughter. Things that was done to me when I was a child. Um, you know, all those moments when you're triggered and you just <laughs> lose everything, all your values, right? Um, and I've realized that it's important for us to heal ourselves and to learn how to regulate so we can stay calm and grounded for our children. And this is when I've started um, learning about somatic experiencing, which is trauma healing at the nervous system level, at the body level. And that is uh, becoming a huge part of my work, which is to help mothers in one-on-one -on -one to regulate, to heal from the past in um gentle and empowering way so they can be really the parents they want to be for for their children that's such a huge goal mm, <laughs> and so and so important can you tell us about this term somatic experiencing and what does that mean for our listeners and for the work that you do sure well somatic experiencing was created by um peter levine he has asked himself the question why do animals in the wild don't get traumatized even though they get threatened and attacked almost daily? And why do we humans do show signs of trauma after stressful events happen to us? 
And he has realized because he had studied the nervous system of all mammals for many years that um, we have the same capacity as all mammals to discharge and release trauma after we went through something stressful. If you've seen vid uh, animal videos, um, if they almost get eaten by a, a lion, for example, once the lion is gone, you will see their body shake slightly, tremble a bit. And this is their body, their nervous system, releasing the trauma. And then most of the time, just, just walk away like if nothing had happened. And we can do the same thing. We have the capacity, our bodies are beautifully made and they have the capacity to do that, to not hold on to the trauma. But we have that very um, smart neocortex there that is stopping us from trusting our bodies. We start thinking, start thinking, oh no, I shouldn't shake. We stop the shaking. Oh no, I shouldn't cry, right? We stop crying. Um, and we stop our body's natural healing mechanism and that's how we get traumatized and we show symptoms um, which can be migraines or digestive issues or chronic pains um, flashbacks immune system issues um, and what we do in somatic experiencing that we're really helping our clients and ourselves to re-trust the body to relearn how to let go of stress after we go through a daily um, um, a stressful day but also anything that is bigger than that any kind of um, bigger trauma and it's so empowering absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. it's a it's an amazing thing that's happening i think all over the world and in so many different fields that people are starting to take take it really seriously the science behind the connection of our our mind and our body and this yes. like really being able to point to here's how your nervous system actually works in an anatomical, scientific, physiological way. And that brings on board a lot of people who in the past would be like, eh, this is a little too much uh, woo-woo, a little too spiritual or, you know. Mm -hmm. But now there's, there's just like data about how, how we work as, like yes. you said, as mammals, as people with bodies, you know. But you're right, it is very recent. It's only in the last 20, 30 years and the polyvagal theory was developed in the last 10, 20 years mm -hmm. about how the nervous system actually works. It's really recent and we still have so much to discover, right? We don't know yet everything and I love that we don't know yet everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we are. it's really the latest research that is showing us how our bodies are amazing and how they're definitely connected to our brain and we can't just deal with our brain and think our way out of stress right it's yeah. a bodily yeah it's a bodily response so once we understand that for ourselves and for all humans we come mm -hmm. to kids and we yep. see they're just the most delightful little tiny baby that's yes. born and then mm -hmm. they already have all of that capacity and it's almost like we, it, within the first, I don't know, two or three years of life, really conditioned the children into all sorts of patterns and conditions that, that are related to their environment. And so specifically, when, when we talk about children who have hearing loss, they have a different sensory experience of receiving information around them from in that modality of hearing. And so I wonder if we can dive into the early childhood years and how we can support our kids no matter what their abilities are. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's a big question. <laughs> so much there. Where do I start? Um, I think specifically for your audience, um, I would like to very briefly say about how the nervous system works so we can understand ourselves and our children's reactions better. Yeah. Um, so we know that our body is very, very well made and it's always trying to protect us. Our nervous system is always trying to protect us. We know about three main, to simplify it, we know about three main states that we can be in. We can be in a feeling safe and connected kind of space, right? We call that the ventral vagal, um, where we are connected to others, we're connected to ourselves, we feel hopeful, um, we're feeling calm and relaxed, right? But then if our system, and I'm saying our system because it starts in the nervous system before it goes into our head, our system perceives a cue of danger and it can be anything, right? I will give examples after that. But if there is a cue of danger, then our system to protect us, will go into a fight or flight, right? And that's when we start scanning the environment for danger. That's when we're getting, you know, triggered. We're getting more annoyed. There's more... Um, anger there and if the fight or flight doesn't work or there is a bigger amount of danger then we go into a shutdown right it's just too much for our brain and for our body we just got into a shutdown and again this is to protect us right so no, we don't feel so much of the overwhelm and pain right so these are the three main states safe, uh, safe and connected fight or flight or the shutdown right so to take an example um, with children with earring loss, for example, they would feel safe and connected with us when we are grounded as well and we're ma making eye contact with them. Something else that makes them feel safe is when we've got a smile on our face, a genuine smile, right? Um, when we've got our head tilted a little bit on the side, right? This is bringing cues of safety mm. for the system. Uh, touch, nurturing touch is helping them feel safe and relaxed, right? Something that can be, for example, a, a cue of danger for little ones with earring loss can be a feeling of maybe f um, be left out because they don't understand exactly what the other kids would be doing or too much stimuli, right? Um, trying to read on everyone's lips, uh, background noise, uh, lots of people talking at the same time and they're trying to figure out everything, what is happening. That is a lot for the system and so our system can go into a bit of a fight or their system can go into a fight or flight, right? When we see them being a bit agitated, having big eyes, like wide, wide eyes, uh, being agitated, maybe starting pushing or um, being overwhelmed, right? You can see it in their body. And when that happens, what we can do is go closer to them with all grounded energy, help them down-regulate, help them bring back to that sense of safety and connection. And for us really to be able to do that, we need to learn how to regulate ourselves, right? So that can be the next um, step if you want to talk more about it and yeah. how we can um, regulate. Did that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that has brought me so close to this work is being, being a mom and having kids uh -huh. and realizing just how much 
there's mirrors happening all around you when the little kitties all of a sudden make me have so many memories of being a kid yes. and how it was. And all of a sudden I see myself as a child and then go into that. How would I would want to be treated in this situation or remembering how certain adults dismissed my ideas or disregarded what I wanted. And all of a sudden I just see it and have so much compassion for how I felt because here's this helpless tiny little delight <laughs> yes yeah. yes yeah i have a five-year-old a three-year-old and a two-year-old and yeah. these, these are two of them so the big and the little <laughs> so glad they decided to join us for this very apropos yeah so, so it's wow. motherhood in life <laughs> that's how it's meant to be so so what i've learned about about the idea that i cannot change my child's state you know, you can't just make a baby stop crying, like by saying stop crying, like that's not gonna work. So it's so dependent on my state as a mother and how my, where my head is. I'm all anxious, like you need to calm down. That's not gonna help. Yeah. Because I'm also all stressed out. So I've definitely experienced that relationship between how I'm feeling to how my child is feeling. And then in a professional sense, I really learned a lot about how important the parent is for the child's journey. Two children with very similar diagnosis could have very different experiences of that based on the parent's reaction. So why I found this work to be so important and people are really responding to it is because there's so much support, thankfully, for children with hearing loss, for how to care for hearing aids, different therapies, all geared towards a child. But what about parents? Parents yeah. of children with hearing loss is a very unique niche that I'm, that I'm constantly trying to reach that audience, I believe that this, this work really needs to come into this space. So that's why I'm so excited Absolutely. that we're talking about this. So yes, please continue. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, okay, let's go towards the, the self-regulation piece. Yeah, because as you mentioned about what about the parents, I also had a little uh, thing about how they can resource themselves, which is similar to your beautiful um, meditation. Um, but involving the body, the felt sense in it. We'll see if we get there. Let's talk about self-regulation. Yeah. There are many ways that we can self-regulate ourselves as parents. And I think we need to practice that by yourself to really feel how it is. Self-touch is one of those ways we can regulate. So there's many different ways. I want to invite um, you and your listeners to take your right hand and put it under your left armpit so it's just under your heart maybe just on, on on your left side of your left breast basically next to your heart right and your left hand onto the shoulder like this and here what we want to do is refilling the heat of our hands which is bringing us back to our body we call that the hug and I notice that I'm naturally starting to sway from one side to the next as I'm doing that. This is very soothing, right? This is what um, our body is used to when we are in our mother's belly, that gentle rocking. So hugging, feeling the hands on the skin, rocking is also very soothing. So you can do that sitting down. You can also rock when you're standing, which means when you're at the playground, 
looking at your child or when you're queuing at the supermarket, right? Standing on both feet and really feeling the ground on your feet, unlocking your knees so you can feel the gravity and swaying from one foot to the next very gently. Right? People will not even notice when you're doing that, but that is really helping the nervous system to slow down. Right? On other self-touch, which is very um, beneficial, can be on the forehead, one hand on your forehead and one hand behind the back of your head. And again, feeling the touch on your skin. This is bringing usually to the system a sense of support. Any self-touch can be useful. We can put a hand on your heart, one on your belly. We want to listen to our bodies. Sometimes our body will not want to be touched in some parts and we want to respect that. So I invite you to try out what works best for you. Hand on your heart, on your belly, or behind your head, right? And see what works the best for you. When we come to breathing, there, is, um, there are lots of recommendations to take a big breath to calm down. And I used to give that recommendation too. It's actually shown to have the opposite effect it's not quite calming because when we take a big breath, it's accelerating our heartbeat. Taking a big breath, it's what we're trying to do when we're running, right? So to calm down what can be useful, and we can do that with our kids, is to blow slowly for a long time, like if we're blowing on a candle or raspberry blows. If you want to try that with your children. blowing like on a candle just to make the candle dense without blowing it out that's right we like to do that before bedtime with my daughter now something that can be great um, with your child is to have her on your back or in your arms and start rocking, like I was talking about, from one foot to the next, feeling your feet on the ground. And here your child's heart is next to your heart, his nervous system right next to your nervous system. And that can be really calming as well. So here you're calming down together, right? Which is really beautiful to do. Again, before bedtime is great to do that. I saw your video on this. It was so, so That's beautiful. Right. Now, in the moment, you know how we talked before, when our child is getting into a bit of a fight or flight, or is shut down, right, is not present anymore. Firstly, we want to recognize the signals, right? When our child is in fight or flight, we will see it because he will be with wide eyes, looking around, maybe agitated. He might have his little body a bit tense, right? Uh, he might be looking around really fast and that's um, especially for children with hearing loss because they can't orient to danger through the ears 
they will try to orient more with their eyes right so they will look around a lot fast right and when you see that your child is a little bit overwhelmed like that want to go close to them feeling your feet on the ground so you're regulating too right and a co-regulation exercise that can be good there is that you put your hand on her forehead and another hand either at the back of her head or in the middle of her back right and we want to have an intention when we touch our children in this way as saying with our hands i'm right here with you i'm right here with you and you feel a bit overwhelmed right now but that's okay i'm right here right it can be just a hand on the shoulder it's really coming close to help our children realize that yes we are here in their system to notice those cues of safety so they can calm down as well as the touch when we're coming next to our children it can be great to make eye contact with them with our face relaxed or smiling again right as a message of i'm here the tilt of the head is important to bring a sense of safety as well um, so it's really about having that intention to tell with a whole body right especially children with hearing loss they will read the whole body if we tense and a tense face and a blank face that will give their system a sense of danger right so we really want to go there with our body as relaxed as we can saying hey i'm here for you i'm here with you you're not alone and we can come down together right? what an absolutely beautiful approach to look at that the whole entire experience of parenting that isn't i'm at the top and you do what i say and you know those, that kind of uh thing that we hear a lot and experience a lot and go into that pattern as well of saying do you know just do what i said or be who i need you to be right now <laughs> instead of just being present with what's actually happening. Exactly. And it is about being present in ourselves and for children. One of the traumatic experiences that, that happened along this journey with, with parents is the diagnosis. Um, the way that sometimes health providers are not sensitive to what the parent's state is yeah. at that time. And I was wondering if you could talk specifically about that experience and how to reframe or or kind of heal that experience if it was very painful or very challenging yes yeah and you're right most of the the medical world is not yet trained and doesn't yet understand how how all system reacts to a diagnosis like that right we know that trauma is something that has gone too fast or was too much or happened too soon for a system to process. We can't, you know, once the diagnosis is, is given, there will be usually a state of shock in the system, right? I'm guessing this is what would be for most parents that, <gasps> right? And for us to come out of shock, we really want to take the time to sit down with it to feel into it to feel the sensation to feel the pain to feel the tears to let the tears flow to have someone next to us it can be our spouse or a friend put their hand on our shoulder mm -hmm. and giving us the time to come out of this shock 
our, our bodies are made to heal, right? It's the problem is that often those things go too fast, right? And for all the health um, practitioners out there, all the, the doctors, the ones that are giving the, the diagnosis, we want to take the time to allow our client's reaction to happen, right? To allow that support and allow those tears before we bombard them with information, right? So, yes, it's really about slowing everything down so the system can actually process that, that load of information, right? And then I also want to come into the more resourcing part, which is what you've done with your beautiful meditation, is that, yes, there is that diagnosis, but it's only one part of my child. There is so much around that right so i want to invite all our listeners maybe to take the time to tune into what they love the most about their child right now what is it that you love about your child is it his eyes the joy in his eyes is it um the joy that he's bringing to you? Is it his fun energy? Look at his little toes, his little fingers. And tune into what you love about your child. And as you're doing this, notice what happens in your body, in your own body. Notice if there is a sense maybe of relief or relaxation in your muscles notice if there is some deeper breathing happening and i also want to ask you what in in which way is your child capable in which way is your child resilient In which way is it vibrant? And again, as you invite those images of the situations where you've seen your, your child being this capable and resilient and vibrant being that is, notice what happens in your own body. So your system can actually integrate Notice again if your breathing is changing, if there is relaxation in your shoulders. And ask yourself what is the emotion that you're feeling now as you're tuning into the beauty of your child. And as you're connecting with his beauty and his vibrant energy and all the things that you love about him. I'm wondering if there is an image that comes to your mind. It can be anything and everything. It can be an image of your child. It can be a color or light. It can be an image of a tree. 
invite you to tune into what your system is bringing up as you're tuning into all that you love about your child. And maybe you might want to draw this image that is coming up for you. And have it somewhere in your house, somewhere where you look often. So you have this reminder always, the positive side, right? And the felt sense of it, how it feels in your body. I think it is important to have both right to hold the the grief but also to hold the beauty and and have both and really allow ourselves to go from one to the next right if there is grief there for you and there might not be again right so i'm holding that and if there is grief to really take your time grief is not something that we are over in an amount of weeks or months now it can take a long time it can go and come back right and we really want to give that as much time as it takes that was so powerful i love that if it's okay i'm going to share what i felt when you were doing mm -hmm. that i'm actually looking at my kids over there they're eating chocolate mm -hmm. out of the nutella jar as we speak <laughs> yum <laughs> at six in the morning and um it's just such a beautiful uh, image of the kids sitting at the table on their own with their fingers in that jar, just like pure happiness and joy of childhood. I'm just gonna let it happen. Enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the last bits of the jar. That's why it's out. Just go for it. And um, as you're talking about how it feels in my body, I, I realized that I got very warm in my shoulders and like my in my upper back all warm like I was wearing a blanket all of a sudden I felt yeah. so warm which I've been cold all, all morning and now I just like felt that and then it just kept more and more melting throughout my torso like really this warmth and down regulating yeah. I, it feels really great nice. <laughs> Beautiful. and when you spoke about the image the image that came to me was more like a texture and it was like a shimmer, like a, like, like eyeshadow, <laughs> just something yeah. like very soft and, and powdery and shiny that, you know, isn't, isn't like a harsh glitter, just like a sheen. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing. Yeah. That's really very powerful. powerful. Tune into our, our body. Yeah. I'm going to invite the listeners and I'd love to hear from you guys what, what that felt like for you if you're if you're listening to this where where you are are you with your kids are you on your own did you you know just take a moment and, and that's the thing about meditation i think is like a little bit uh, overwhelming for people it's like you have to like sit in a meditation couch with a meditation gong and a timer and you're like now you're a hippie that's it it's like no that was meditation just like breathing for one second and being where you are yes dear being with who you are and and there you go it can happen that quickly <laughs> yes and i would say it's even better because it's an embodied meditation mm -hmm. right yeah and you're right yeah. it can be just 30 seconds one minute of tuning into our sensations and that is enough to 
take us back into the love and positive or take us back to the relaxation and the calm. It doesn't need to be ours. I love the swing. In my experience, the swing has, has been a place of great connection because of that back and forth. That's just a repeated motion that goes on. So pushing the swing, even watching the kid on the swing has been very therapeutic for me. Uh-huh. So do you have um, other specific kind of like day-to-day things that, that we do as parents or that kids do that uh, people can you know, hold on to as an anchor? Um, there are two more things that I want to share with you that were actually given to me by a colleague of mine who is a somatic experiencing practitioner and she's there for herself. She reminded me how our eyes, when we don't hear properly, our eyes are working much more to read lips, to read people's behavior, to orient, right? So she is um, recommending that we find time with our children to rest the eyes and to rest the brain. Because again, for a little child, trying to understand, to read lips, it's so much stimuli for the brain, right? And rest the eyes um, can be done in a little routine, a moment of connection, which will as well strengthen the attachment with our children, as it can be maybe a song when we close our eyes, mommy can close our eyes and the child can close his eyes. It can be um, putting your hand in the shape of, hmm, what shape is that? Maybe like a little cup just to cover the eyes, your eyes or the eyes of the child, if he's too young to do it himself. And to just spend a few seconds like this where his eyes can relax his body can relax his brain can rest um you two can cuddle together while you're doing this which can be skin to skin or even just you know nurturing contact um and that helps the whole body the whole nervous system resets it helps the eyes reset the brain um rest and that can be very beneficial and a little connecting moment that can happen anytime during the day right can be a little routine between the the parent and the child and one more thing i want to add and it's very true for um parents who have children with hearing loss but also for every parent on earth is to find our community right to find the people that get us people who might have similar experiences than us to really not isolate ourselves, right? Um, we know in the world of trauma healing that we are social creatures and we heal better when we are in the presence of others. And we are less traumatized when we have the right support as well. So it's, it's tricky in this industrialized world where we all live in separate houses um, but I think it's really making the effort to find other parents who have children with hearing loss, even if it's just online, to connect, have a chat once a month, or being part of a group, or um, finding them and going to the playground together, really finding other people that are in the same situation and that get you and that um, you can relate to 
your all your children in a different way right in a way that is really adapted to um, to their capacity of the moment so i think the community is a big um is a big thing for all of us really i'm very grateful you brought that up i hope the all about audiology community has played a role for some parents i've heard from some of you it's so important to not feel alone it's so important to have support and know that you're not the only person who feels how you feel last episode was also on parenting so we're kind of doing a little parenting unit being able to advocate for yourself and for your child in a medical setting which is quite stressful but also having that that support outside of that like in a social other parent setting right awesome thank you so much you're a warrior i have so much respect for what you're doing with your children and with the for the community for all the parents out there changing the world one podcast at a time so important (laughs) if people want to find you work with you learn about you where can they find you it's the best way to connect yes i'm on on facebook uh mama mano which is m-a-m-a-m-a-n-o-n trauma-informed parenting support uh on instagram it's mama manon i'm sure there is a dash somewhere <laughs> if you type mama manon you will find it um my website mamamanon.com i've got online courses i'm i'm actually working on a program at the moment which is about self-regulation and co-regulation because it's important for all of us out there to know how to downregulate and co-regulate with our children so that's coming up in the next few months and um yeah thank you so much for this opportunity i'm so glad i met you in person thank you again to manon for such a beautiful interview you can find her on facebook and instagram and really see some of the beautiful videos that she's that she puts out um, with so many great tips and i really value the work that she's doing and i'm glad to introduce you guys to her work as well Again, if you're interested in that meditation, it's a free download over at allaboutaudiology.com slash meditation. Let me know how this episode landed for you, if this, if this was something you were interested in, how you felt listening to our conversation. I am always happy to get requests. Last week, I interviewed Dr. Kelly Dyson, an audiologist who is also a tinnitus specialist And we had a lot of interesting conversation about tinnitus, which you guys have patiently been waiting for. I appreciate that. And she's at the tinnitus doctor on Instagram if you want to go and get a sneak peek. I'm looking forward to your comments, to your reviews, to your questions for the All About You episode. If you're new around here, every other episode is all about you, your responses, your questions. And that wraps up episode 31. Welcome to season three. I'm Dr. Lilach Saperstein, and this is the All About Audiology podcast.